does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Okay, so I'm going to make an executive decision here. And I mean this not in a snarky way at all. I, for the next few bump backs, Sam, we're going to play Oasis songs. And I want it like the big ones, Champagne Supernova, Wonderwall, because I do, and I get it. There are people that are like, I've never heard of them. Now, I have a hard time believing if you were alive in the mid-90s. That, and I get saying like you've never heard them. You didn't yeah, you might not them. be familiar with their songs. Like, but- I'm not a country music fan, so I couldn't tell you a song from Dirks Bentley, but I absolutely know the name Dirks Bentley. Mm-hmm. I know who, you know, Florida Georgia Line. I mean, I know those acts, right? Right. Oasis was so ubiquitous in the pop culture news stream of the mid-90s, just in terms of, I mean, everything from declaring that they're bigger than the Beatles to, like, fighting on stage to... You know, I, I don't know. They just maybe I'm a little bit biased because I was in my mid twenties at the time, but I do feel like Wonderwall and Champagne Supernova in general, those two songs, and I totally get it. People are like, I've never heard them, and then you hear the song, and you're like, Oh yeah, okay. But yeah. The same is true of Led Zeppelin. Like there are Zeppelin songs that you would say to somebody, like, Do you know Dire Maker? And they're like, I've never heard of that song. And then you play it, and you're like, Oh well, yeah, I just didn't know that was the name of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, great show last night, but I do realize Noel Gallagher, I, I, I'm fascinated by it because nobody was there, and I think most people didn't realize, oh, that's who that is. Yeah. Well, let's ask our, our, our first guest of the day. I'm sure he's very familiar with Oasis. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline, of course, you hear him on this radio station uh, amongst a billion different media outlets in terms of play-by-play for various sports throughout the state. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Greg, your favorite Oasis song would be what? Wonderwall. Okay, and you, how many, if you had to, on a one to ten scale, ten being the most, one being the least, your level of fandom of Oasis was what? Probably a six. Okay, so so you could probably name off the top, I mean, I'm not asking you to do so right now, but what would you say the average person could name? Four to six songs? I'd say the average person could name two to three. Four to six might be a little bit much. Well, I I guess I should rephrase that. I guess I should rephrase that. The average person, if you played for them the songs and had to say you have or have not heard this before, that would probably be what, four to six? In that neighborhood, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, You are up bright and early on a Friday, man. Is that because you wanted to actually see the skyline since we haven't seen it the last two days? Uh, It was certainly noticeable after the uh, storms that, you know, knocked down tree limbs, thankfully not at my house, but knocked out power at my house uh, for about four hours or so last night and and yesterday afternoon. But, uh, no, I I had an 8 o'clock appointment, but you can probably hear it in my voice. I started feeling a little bit under the weather last night. I am feeling much better this morning. But out of an abundance of caution, I think I'm going to kind of ease into my day and make my first thing a, a, a new lunch in terms of being out in the world this morning. Okay, let's begin with this. The Colts news. Um, I will in, interject my opinion in a second, but first and foremost, just your overall reaction 
to yesterday becoming official what we all knew was coming, and that was that Isaiah Rogers would indeed be suspended. But instead of one year, it is quote-unquote indefinite. Your thoughts? And there was a, a second player that admittedly in Rashad Barry that I was relatively unfamiliar with, I think we all were, that was also uh, caught up in this. But your overall thoughts? Not surprising. And again, it was just a matter of when, not if. Uh, and so the team then elected to say, hey, we're going to just go ahead and cut ties immediately, which more or less was going to happen. Any player like a Rashad Berry was on a one-year deal, so if he's suspended indefinitely, then you know he's not going to be back. And Isaiah Rogers, we all knew he was at the end of his contract. Uh, and so the Colts elected to kind of make the statement of saying, hey, we're not going to tolerate this. We want no part of this and, and, and moving on. So, again, this, this kind of happened when I was doing the midday show yesterday. I think I phrased it this way. It's breaking news, but it's not. We all knew it was going to happen. It's a matter of when. Here's the win, and Isaiah Rogers is no longer a member of the Indianapolis Colts. Greg, do you think either of these guys recover from this and have any sort of NFL career after this, or are they going to kind of be synonymous with, with the gambling suspensions in the NFL? You know, Barry was a guy that was a journeyman. I mean, he was literally here for a week last year and just happened to be on the roster to start this season. I would say that's probably it for him, and, and that's not in a, in a punitive manner. That is simply in the matter of, hey, if you're a fringe roster guy and you know, you're know you going to miss a year, that's it. Somebody else will kind of come in and, and, and you know 38 somebody will come in and take your spot. Um, for Rodgers, if he can kind of clean things up, he was good enough to be not only a roster player but a starter for this team. I think he will get an opportunity as long as he never gambles on the National Football League ever again. I do think he's got a chance to play someplace else. I don't think that'll be here. But I think, again, is, is he a, a an all-pro, pro bowl level player? Probably not. But is he a starting-level player? Is a pretty talented kick returner? Yes. And do I think that means if he can kind of stay clean that he'll get a chance someplace else down the line? I honestly do. Here's the thing, Greg, and with Isaiah Rogers, when this came out, what we kept hearing was, you know, he's going to be suspended for a year. And I was saying yesterday, if part of this includes wagers on his own team, zero chance he's going to be limited to one year. And then it comes out as quote unquote indefinite. Right. I'll bet you he never plays another game in the league. That's uh, yeah, it's possible because of that. That, that, That's the one that that does him in. Uh, Whether in in terms of sheer talent, he would get another look if he gets reinstated in the National Football League. No, I I get that, but the other thing that comes into play, Greg, is I don't think people realize the the level of physical conditioning and just overall athleticism to play in the National Football League that sets you apart. I mean, you're talking about the top 0.1% of physical athletes in sports. Sure. And you take a year off from that. I think it is really difficult once you fall out of rhythm to to maintain that level of fitness and athleticism because there is such a fine line. You can't replicate it. You know, you can train. You can keep yourself in shape. But you're you're not going to find you know you know 25 other dudes you know to uh, you know to, to to replicate what a football practice is like. So you're absolutely right, and it's not like there is some league that would allow him to join because of this suspension. You know he's not going to go play in the CFL. 
I don't think the XFL or USFL will say, hey, why don't you come this way? No, this is, you know, this is a scarlet letter. You know, you're, you're not playing anybody's league you know, anytime soon. I, I think the scarlet letter is a good way of saying it. I, I, I do feel like, Greg, the – I said this earlier, and I it's not an easy way to live to be cynical about everything, okay? It's not. But that's by nature how I am about a lot of things, and this is one of them. It's hard for me – I don't know the scope of this NFL investigation – so if you had to guess, Greg, would you say that like when this came out, when we heard that a player within the Colts organization was being investigated for gambling as part of an NFL probe, do you believe this was an NFL-wide probe that happened to pop Isaiah Rogers? Or, in other words, let's go back to one of my bad analogies, Greg. Greg Gregstar joins us on the Payless Sickers Hotline. There are two ways that someone can get caught for driving while impaired. The first is that they happen to be driving home when the police have an an operation set up where they're pulling over every third car and testing everyone. The other is someone's driving erratically. Someone calls and says, this guy looks like he might be impaired, and that guy gets pulled over. Which was this? Was the NFL doing a probe in general of overlooking things and discovered this? Or did they get alert of something going on and therefore honed in on it? That could be both. Um, I am sure there is a tracking mechanism because of, you know, the thing that I am, you know, holding in my hand and talking to you on now acts as a locator for me. When I do something, there are those that know where I'm going to do that from. So I am sure that there is an NFL program, a, a, a tracking system, when a wager is placed on a mobile phone from at an NFL facility, that that sets something in motion, I would think would be issue number one. But at the same time, let's look at kind of yesterday's story that was reported. I think I saw it first from the Action Network that you know it's been reported that most of the bets were twenty-five and fifty-dollar bets, but there was a thousand-dollar bet that was a, a a play on an over/under in a Colts game in which Isaiah Rogers won or whomever was betting for Isaiah, whatever the account name uh, that he was betting under. And I guarantee you, even though that's still a relatively small wager, um, in comparison to the other wagers he had been making, I guarantee you that tripped a radar as well. So I think the answer to your question in in this case, Jake, is both of those things. Yeah, I I just – that's the big one. I, I can't get past the – and I get it, Greg, as I mentioned earlier. I, you could probably, if you're the NFL – in terms of guys sitting around bored in the locker room during free time, and there's plenty of that, quite frankly. We see yeah. we see plenty of guys sitting there listening to music or playing cornhole in the locker room. I mean, it's fun, right? It's it, it And I get, I get it. But we see a lot – how often, Greg, have you walked into a locker room, and NBA, NFL, whatever it might be, and guys are sitting in their folding chair at their locker looking at their phone. I mean, they're texting, yeah. but they're just like any of us, right? I have a hard time believing, Greg, that before – I think now it's very definitive. But six months ago, and I realized to the players they probably were told this repeatedly, but I, I have a hard time believing that when it comes to placing a $15 wager on the 
Padres-Rockies game that only four guys in the National Football League did that from inside a team facility in the last year. That's a fair point. And what I would say to that is this. I would think that this story will get everybody's attention for a while. But a couple of months down the road, a few weeks down the road, this is going to happen again. And again, the, the place where these guys really will get educated on this is in the off-season team activities, especially the rookies when they, when they first get you know, to their respective teams. There is so much in terms of rookie symposiums and things like that. Uh, we're so much a sort of these guys. This will be part of it. This will now be an annual refresher course, but I guarantee you somebody else will get popped for this at some point in time during the course of the year because it's, it's, it's you know, first and foremost in your mind now, but it'll quickly fade to the back for, for, for some players. So we're going to keep – just because of the prevalence of gambling, not because of sponsorships in the National Football League, but because of the relative ease in which anybody can place a wager these days, I guarantee you this, this story will repeat itself, whether it's at some point in time during the regular season or at some point in time during the offseason next year. Is it going to come to a point where the NFL has to reevaluate the, their gambling policies? Or like, okay, 100% you cannot gamble on NFL games, but MLB, NBA, okay, we'll, we'll let you do that. Is it going to come to that? Slippery slope. I know. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I, I think they're going to that I saw this this PR list yesterday. Um, you know, basically it was it was six pretty simple rules. I mean, this, these are not these are not paragraph you know treaties. These were like sentences. Don't ever wager on the National Football League. Don't wager you know from the facility. Um, you know, th- I think it's pretty cut and dry. They will say simply say if you're in the employ of a National Football League team, you cannot wager at the facility. Period. End of sentence. And that's where they're going to leave it. You know, the, the Greg. To me, with this, I go back to, and I get it. I'm not saying they're wrong. The NFL, of of any sports league, Greg, there is none that is smarter about their marketing, their imagery, than the, than the National Football League. And when they say that they want to uphold the integrity of the game, they're not stupid. They know they know what drives the interest in games for a lot of people. And what they want to make emphatically clear is they want to uphold the integrity of your wager on their games. And I get it. Correct. I get yeah. it. And, and, and Jake, let's face it, you know, that has been the case before gambling sponsorships were prevalent. One thousand million was- percent, Greg. One thousand million percent. Why, why do we have injury reports every week and have had them for 20, 25 years or longer? That's kind of been the tacit nod to this dating back to the last millennium. So that's been the case for a long time, Jay. I mean, Greg, I, my dad and I, it's funny. My dad and I were talking about this. My dad has a lot of reservation and hesitation about gambling, which he's never had a problem with it. I'm not saying that, but, but he just – I think it's just always rubbed him the wrong way, and that was kind of instilled in me, actually, at a young age. So I, I totally get it. But I told my dad, I said, Dad, when when I was seven years old, how did I become familiar with the National Football League? Because what would we do every week together? And what we did and how I became familiar with teams in the NFL was my dad would pick up the sports page, and in the back it had the latest line, and he would read sure. to me, okay, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. And I'd be like, oh, seven points. And we we would see 
what the line was. I don't know that I knew at that age that it was about gambling, but my point being just because gambling has only recently been legalized does not mean that it has not been ubiquitous in the NFL culture. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt about that whatsoever. Greg, I want to pivot to Pacers free agency targets. We saw that Harrison Barnes is going to stick with the Sacramento Kings three years, $54 million. I think a lot of people had him as a possible top free agent target for the Pacers. Is the any is there anyone on the on the free agent market that you like that you could see could be a fit for the Pacers? Yeah, I thought Barnes was that guy. Um, and now I kind of wonder, does this push the Pacers back into the trade market? You know, because I thought Barnes was really a good fit. And the guy that I likened it to yesterday on the show, even though it's a it's, the game is played differently, their, their games are different, um, but I'm like, that might be almost like a David West signing. You know, a guy that, that's a veteran player, you bring him on a couple-year deal, you think he's the final piece that kind of elevates you. Well, clearly, that's not going to happen now. So he's going to stick in Sacramento. Well, has, they've got a good thing going in Sacramento there, too. So now you kind of think, okay, does this maybe force your hand in terms of trying to trade for and extend a player like OG Ananobi? Um you know, if, if, if the seventh pick was was too rich for your blood or the Raptors wanted more, I'm not sure that a couple of draft picks can be between 15 and 20, which we think the Pacers are going to have next year. I'm not sure if, if that and, and kind of spare pieces, you know, would be enough, you know, to bring in a player like Anadobi. So I, I think it's honestly a, a, a little bit of a reset for the Pacers, knowing they kind of have such, such of a one specific need, and that is a guy they can, you know, it's really kind of a glorified three, but really a guy that would play that stretch four these days in the NBA. That's the specific type of player they are looking at because, again, they've got so many pieces already under contract. They kind of need a little more depth at that spot. That's what the Pacers are looking for. You know, for. Greg, the, the thing with me, Max Struess is one whose name has been floated around, and he's been a good player for Miami. Not a great player, but he's been a, he's been a nice player and a good story. An undrafted player, really good shooter, which probably the Pacers need a little bit. But I think they should learn from the ghost of Chris Chris Copeland. There is a danger in overpaying for a guy that was a situational really good player elsewhere. And Miami has a track record of situational guys that their system makes guys really good players. That does not mean that they are really good players in every system. Does that make sense? Right. Agreed. And, and Sturis is not a guy that, to me – moves the needle greatly because uh, I think he fits more in that 2-3 range than, say, that power forward four. NBA free agency starts today at 6. Not ideal that the Pacers might be heading back to the drawing board before it even officially starts, but that's where we're at right now. Greg, last one from me. I don't know where the this holiday weekend falls on your holiday power rankings. What's your favorite part of 4th of July? Um, family get-togethers, I guess, and I, I say that like very unconvincingly. I guess because I look at everything through the prism of sports, Fourth of July has never been that. I mean, it's it, the Declaration of Independence. American Independence is a great thing, um, but in terms of like you know, like the party, I'm kind of like, eh. Um, you know, there, there's Fourth of July is not a great sports holiday. I'm not a big fireworks guy, so I appreciate the day off. Usually, like my tradition is to get get around and golf in, which I'll be doing that on on Tuesday. Um, but but other than that. It's probably pretty far down the holiday depth chart. What about you guys? Okay, here's the thing, Greg. The holiday depth chart. Christmas, I think, for most people is clearly number one, right? Yep. So what? So two and three. I, is Thanksgiving your number two? 
Thanksgiving is, is a number two. Uh, Labor Day is probably number three. Really? Just because in, in my world, I know I get a couple, three days off before the grind of the football season really gets underway. So I'm a big Labor Day person. Obviously, Memorial Day is, is, is very important, but also because of where we live, it's kind of a big stinking deal. So it's part of what pushes the 4th of July even further down the depth chart. Okay, if you were to poll Americans, what's the least popular holiday? I, I'm, I mean, obviously, like Arbor Day or Flag Day, but but <laughs> of the of the actual holidays, and this isn't one that you get off work, I guess. But I think most people, if you put them on on a lie detector test, would tell you that they. I'm not saying they dislike it, but I think most people would find Valentine's Day to be the one that's the, the most eye roll. Well, see, I, I, don't, I don't consider Valentine's Day a holiday. Yeah, it's not a federal holiday. I get it. Right. Like if we were going with like you know the. The, the cranberry sauce of Thanksgiving dinner uh, of holidays, I would think Columbus Day, because people do get that day off, That some people get that day off, that would be the day. Or, or President's Day would probably be the day that would get selected, because again... That is a federal holiday for most. See, I'm going to probably upset some people. I would say Easter Sunday, because you usually don't get the Friday before or the Monday off. So you just have the get-together on yeah. Sunday, and then you're back at it. You're like, oh, okay, there's a holiday. In I there, mean, there's I nothing worse than off. this year when Christmas fell on – wasn't Christmas on a Sunday? Oh, that stunk. Yeah. Or was it on – and it's just like, oh, my gosh, like you, you basically got no time off. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a buzzkill, right? But All right, well, Greg, enjoy your um, – just pretend it's Labor Day, right? And then you'll That's enjoy right. it more, right? Exactly. Enjoy your Independence Day. Always a pleasure, Greg. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks, fellas. All right, Greg Race on the, on the Sickles golf Hotline. Yeah. yeah, you know i I have thoughts on Independence Day. Okay, probably unpopular ones. All right, well, we can we get can, to that. We can get in your unpopular opinions on the other side of the break. Uh, Joel A. Erickson joins us in an hour. You're listening to a Friday edition. Happy Friday to you! In just before kind of the the long weekend for a lot of people, it's Kevin and Query here, ninety three five one zero seven five, the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. Did this one get played yesterday? I don't think so. Did it? At the concert? Yeah. No. No. Uh, I'll, I'll read for you the songs that he played. I, I glanced at the set list. I don't think I saw that one. There were only he, he, Noel Gallagher played last night, fourteen songs, uh, the last eight of which were Oasis songs, and he ended with um, "Don't Look Back in Anger," which was great because people like kind of basically sang along to it. He he did not mention Oasis. He he said. We're going to play – we're going to go back to the mid-90s. And there was a kid in the crowd that he kind of was like talking to. He asked the kid. The kid said he was 12. 
And he's like, well, you wouldn't know these songs, but I'm going to ask you to keep buying the albums because my kid's livelihood depends on it. He played the master plan, Going Nowhere, Little by Little, Half the World Away, Live Forever, and Don't Look Back in Anger. And it was great. Now, Live Forever, he played almost like a slow version of it. Um, but it was great. And literally, he played the songs and then was like, okay, thank you, and like was done. <laughs> done by 1045. Uh, joining us now, by the way, on the Payless Thickers Hotline, you know his work from the Indianapolis Star talking about the Colts, talking about Joel A. Erickson. And Joel would begin with what we talked about earlier. Isaiah Rogers, Rashad Berry, yesterday released from the team. Obviously, the Colts were awaiting official word from the NFL on these suspensions. Isaiah Rogers, who was going to be a guy that was going to get plenty of reps this year, uh, out, quote, indefinitely. Now, I guess it's probably dangerous, perhaps, for us to speculate, but we're going to do so anyway, on what indefinitely means. In my opinion, he does not play another NFL game. Your thoughts? Are you saying he doesn't play in an NFL, another NFL game because the NFL does that or because the league does that? Uh, I believe personally that his suspension probably – I don't know when he would be reinstated, but um, out of sight, out of mind, and I think it's probably difficult for a guy that's on the fringe anyway to stay in the level of shape necessary to play in the NFL after at minimum a year off, and I'll bet it's more than okay. a year. Yeah, I I think I think that it's going to be difficult, and um, you know, if if it's one year, he may have a shot in a training camp. Um, if for some reason his indefinite goes longer than that, because there's there's always the possibility, um, I guess, with some of the stuff that was reported, um, that maybe they they view his as different. Um, it, you know, if, if it goes longer, I think it's it's worse. I, I've kind of been thinking along the same lines as you. I mean, Calvin Ridley is one thing, but Calvin Ridley uh, had a fourteen hundred yard season in Atlanta. You know, that's a uh, Calvin Ridley also didn't bet on the Falcons, right? You know, and and well, but but even even beyond that, I think if if the league reinstated you and you were good enough and you bet on your own team, I think you someone would find a. A place for you. I, I don't know that Isaiah Rogers has established. I, well, I, I do know Isaiah Rogers has not established himself as that type of player, um, where you you overlook stuff. Um, and I know I know Colts fans love him. I know he's a fan favorite, but he just he just hasn't. I, I'm not sure he has 500 defensive snaps in the season yet. So I think some stuff could maybe get overlooked if if you were really really good. But are really, really established. But he's he's not in that spot. Joel, was there any inkling that Rashad Barry was involved with this? I I've heard Isaiah Rogers. Obviously, he came out publicly and said, "Hey, my bad, it was me." But I hadn't heard Rashad Barry's name mentioned once. I hadn't heard there's multiple Colts involved. Uh, how surprised were you when you heard that he was also indefinitely suspended? Well, Rashad Barry is we 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 didn't really know a ton about him, and they, they signed him off the practice squad late in a in a lost season, um, you know, off of the Jags practice squad late in a lost season. He didn't really look like a – he looked like a long shot uh, given some of the uh, – um, given the rest of the the guys that they've invested into in the, on the defensive line. So I don't think we were thinking about him necessarily in general until, uh, you know, hey, you got to show me something in training camp to catch our attention. But beyond that, this is – the way the way Barry's has gone or the way – uh, the tackle from Tennessee's is gone. 
that's more along the lines of the way these gambling uh, stories have gone uh, in the NFL. For, for the most part, we find out that they happen when the suspensions happen. I, if I remember, I think that's the way the Lions went, too. The, the difference with Rodgers was there was an early report, um, and and so we knew about it ahead of time. But but generally, this is the way this has gone down is, um, you know, may, maybe uh, after a rap report gets a, an inkling a couple hours beforehand. But it, it's pretty much been the NFL does its investigation, hands out suspension, and that's when, and that's when you have the, uh, 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 that's when you have the the actual information that you find out that this has happened. Yeah, we heard we heard Rogers made upward of a hundred bets, and he got the indefinite suspension. Do we have any idea how severe Barry's bets were? Like how how many there were? Did he bet on the Colts? Do we have any inkling on what that was? Uh, no, no. Well, he, I mean, for him to, he would, the only game he could have bet on the Colts would have been the last one. Right. But I'm saying to get an indefinite suspension, I'm assuming he had to have gambled on the NFL as well. And I don't know if he placed any bets on the Colts, but the difference between the difference between the six game suspension and the full game suspension so far, at least as far as I know it is, um, guys have gotten the six game suspension. This is Jamison Williams. Um, I, I, I actually don't know how to pronounce the, the Titans tackles name. Petit Frere? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but the, those guys bet on sports inside the facility, and that's why they got six games instead of a year. The guys who've gotten a year bet on the NFL. Now, the, the added piece of betting on their own team um, is where I think there's some uncertainty in the Rodgers indefinite suspension. Uh, you know, it says they can apply for reinstatement after the 2023 season. I wonder if that's the same for all of them. If it, like, if that's going to go the same for all of them, you know, betting on your own team. Um, but, uh, that's, that's been the demarcation line so far is six games is for betting on sports inside the facility or at a team function, uh, a full, a full year suspension, which they always announce as indefinite is is for betting on the NFL. Okay, I'm going to ask Joe for, as best we know it, in the same analogy that I used earlier, and I, and I want your thoughts on this. There are two ways that someone can get caught for driving while impaired. The first is they happen to be driving while impaired and there is a random police setup you know, not setups—the wrong word—but a checkpoint, a checkpoint where they're pulling over every third car, and that person happens to get pulled over in that checkpoint, and they're impaired, and they get arrested. The second is they're driving erratically, and somebody notices they're driving erratically and calls the police, who then intentionally pull that person over. In the case of these indiscretions with the Colts players, which is it? Were they caught up in a league-wide search or were, was the league tipped off and therefore those two players were specifically investigated, thus there could be other cases out there that are unknown as of yet? Um, I, I think it's, it's hard because if you say there could be other cases out there, then people are going to assume that they are. Um, but my understanding is that this was something that maybe the the Colts were taken a little bit by surprise by. 
Uh, Correct. I, I believe that's factual. I, it's my understanding, Joel, that Isaiah Rogers knew about this before the Colts. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I under what I understood too. And as far as how they get caught, I'll be honest. I I didn't um, when this initially broke. I was not the reporter who talked to the Indiana Gaming Commission. I, I don't know if. The hard part is I, I'm not sure exactly how, how they figure this out. I, I do wonder, though, if it's easier to see this stuff or find this stuff in a digital age when, you know, the instead of going to a – instead of going to a bookie, you're, you're – you know, everything's online and it's on your phone. I wonder if it's easier for, like, the Gaming Commission to track. I mean, that's got to be I, – I, you know – it's kind of a moot point, I guess, except for it makes you wonder, and you're right, to be careful, Joel, that's not to say that thinking there could be others out there means that this is like something that, that there definitively are, but I do think that that's an interesting thing because I think now, Joel, the league would have a clearer understanding because partially of this. And maybe I'm just saying that because esoterically in Indianapolis, it's been on our radar because of the Rodgers situation. And I'm sure the players have been briefed on this far more than have we prior to this. But I can totally understand how some player is sitting there at his locker during off-season OTAs and he's like ah you know I mean, he's scrolling through and he sees a, an offer from one of the apps that's like hey $20 wager on the all-star game the major league all-star game yeah okay seems innocuous enough except for you're inside the parameters of the building I could see how they would not have known that before they sure as hell better know it now yeah I I think one of the things that I keep coming back to is that for players um the NFL's gambling policy is actually, to to me, I, you can someone else could disagree with this, but to me, it's actually fairly permissive. They, they are allowed to bet on other sports as long as they don't do it from the team facility. That's a whole range of things um, that they're allowed to bet on. I know that is not true of say, um, you know, personnel or coaches at the at the NCAA level. I believe the the rule in, in the NCAA is if if a sport is governed by the NCAA, you are not allowed to bet on it at any level. Therefore, if that therefore the fact that there are men's soccer teams at some schools means you can't like bet on for the Premier League or the or or the Italian League or anything like that. Um, I also know that in the NFL, the rules are more stringent for business staff, front office staff than they are for the players. Um, and so that's that's one of the things that I, that I keep sticking out to – sticks out to me is just there are ways to bet. Um, probably more than, than some people would expect if, you know, if they work in one of those other areas. But uh, But you just can't do it. On, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it makes obvious sense. Like, why you can't bet on the NFL? At least it makes obvious sense to me. And this is true, Joel, of all staff, right? Like, if you are the, if you're the guy that is the, the nutritional chef inside the Colts complex, the same rules apply to you, correct? Yeah, I, my under, yeah, I, my understanding is that you're not like the, the the business staff is. It's like a hard. It's like a hard no bet, no gamble. 
Joel Erickson of the Indianapolis Star joining us. He covers the Colts. Joel, with the Isaiah Rodgers out of the picture, how would you describe the current state of the Colts cornerback room? Young and unproven and thin. Um, you know, it, they, they, they drafted three guys, one in the second, one in the fifth, one in the seventh. There, there are examples of guys in – all of those rounds, definitely the second and the fifth, starting and playing well across the NFL um, over the last couple of years. I, I think it's important to remember it's you can do that with any round at almost any position except quarterback, and and people can even come up with quarterbacks who started and, and played well. You know, especially with Brock, after Brock Purdy. Um, the, the 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 reality is that most guys take a little time. And Chris Ballard has said that over and over again about their draft picks is that they're not going to necessarily come in as finished products. Well, that, that's going to be true of this cornerback room as well, most likely. Um, I mean, if they if they hit with starting two two of the three starting caliber two of the, if two of the three guys are starting caliber corners right now immediately as we speak today, that would be a wild coup for the Colts just historically. So. If you look at what they've got, then you've got Dallas Flowers, who is uh, admittedly physically supremely talented. They believe that from the moment they got him in uh, undrafted as an undrafted free agent last year. But he still doesn't have a ton of snaps playing cornerback. Um, and then you have a bunch of a bunch of rookies. So it it's thin. It's you, you contrast that to last year where you had. You know, obviously a clear number one on the outside in Gilmore. You had uh, a guy who, if he was not a starter, had starting experience in Brandon Faison uh, and had, had, had played in a, a major role at some point in Brandon Faison. That's, that's such a big difference from where they are now in terms of experience, in terms of being proven in the NFL. Um I keep thinking they have to sign a veteran. I mean, almost just for the numbers, but also for the um, just for the the fact that they they just don't have anybody on the outside. Because um, when we talk to Kenny Moore, I mean, Kenny Moore will probably play on the outside in base. But when he thought when he talked to Kenny Moore, he was talking about you know the role he was talking about was in the slot where he's been most of his career. So Kenny Moore is obviously very very experienced and very accomplished, but. He's he's going to play most of his snaps on the inside. So on the outside, they are are painfully thin. And I'll tell you what, Joel, there's no silver lining. Joel Erickson, by the way, is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. It's hard to say, I should say, that there would be a silver lining in a gambling scandal that suspends a player indefinitely. But if there was one for the Colts, it would be the fact that this is a golden opportunity, it would seem, for a young player from Indianapolis and Juju Brents, right? Doesn't he stand a benefit here in terms of moving his way quickly into an area where if he can show something in camp, he's going to have opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a lot like um, – I think to me it's a lot like when they, they picked Rocky Scene, uh in the second round. I mean, he played significantly right away. Uh, and there wasn't uh, necessarily a ton of people in the way in that camp, um, and that's that's kind of I think where, where, where what it looks like for Juju Brents. Juju Brents has a golden, I mean, and really for Darius Rush too. They, these are these are golden opportunities for them as rookies to 
hit the ground running and and surprise people. Um, you know the and and Brent's especially being a second round pick, given his given his athleticism, given everything we know about him, uh, it, it stands to it stands to reason that he's got the best shot at it right away. Joel, uh, what's the more difficult contract to negotiate for the Colts upcoming, Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman Jr.? I think, I think it's Pittman is more difficult. Um, I, Good because, lord, is he is he emailing you right now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my computer does updates, and I made the mistake of turning it on to check a snap count thing while I was talking to you guys. Um, no, the. Uh, the uh, I, I think it's I think it's Pittman because just because of the of the sheer numbers of what wide receivers have gotten and trying to decide you know where does he fall in that how does the the Colts just constant um, you know upheaval at quarterback how does that affect what we've seen from him production wise what does he deserve you know how how much like the the numbers there are so big, whereas I think that in terms of complexity, the 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 Taylor the Taylor contract is pretty much just it's pretty much more a a simple how much do you want to value a running back how long do you want to give it to him, whereas with Pittman you have to figure out you know what level of player is this, and and what are we willing like the the what level of player is it is is a complicated factor that I don't think exists in the Taylor thing with it. When Taylor's healthy, Taylor's incredible. Right, because Pittman, Pittman is going to want to be get, getting paid as a number one wide receiver, which he is on this team. If he's on another team, I don't know if he's a number one. He's more of a number two, I think, from what he's produced so far. So I think he's going to be looking for a stratosphere that the Colts might not be comfortable with for a contract. Is, is that your idea too? Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm thinking. Is that like you you might be looking at like a you know a, a number one wide receiver? It's the going rate seems to start at twenty five million. Um, which is a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and they can make and him and his, his him and his agents can, can can make the case, you know, just starting off of like, you know, there was the Christian Kirk deal a couple of years ago that everybody thought was crazy. Like Pittman has been more productive than Kirk was before he got that deal, right? and his agents can very very easily make that case. So where where he falls in that that big range of contracts that. The money at wide receiver, I think, is what makes this hard, and I think it's why, I think it's why you've seen really, really, really great players get traded away. Um, you know, like obviously Kansas City and Tyreek Hill. You know, that's a great player, but the, the money ha- receiver has gotten so big that even for the the top guys, there's a hard decision that teams have to make. Yeah, you see the Cardinals part ways with DeAndre Hopkins, and we know that Chris Ballard doesn't like paying wide receivers necessarily, so it'll be very interesting to see how they negotiate that with, with Michael Pittman. Well, I, could, I could very easily see the here's franchise the other thing. Da- Dalvin Cook was allegedly offered, or reportedly offered, a deal in Miami, and Miami's got basically $14 million, 13.9 to spend. So let's say that that, Joel puts the market value for a running back and Dalvin Cook's a darn good running back. If the market value for a Dalvin Cook is at 13 14 range, Jonathan Taylor is going to want 15 16 something like that. If there's no way from the Colts I do that. And, and and I think he's a wonderful player, a wonderful person and a great talent, but I wouldn't pay it. See, for me it's not about the for me it's not about the the per year average. For me it's about the years. Well, that too, sure. I mean because 
you know, and and it's interesting because Taylor is one guy that has shown no signs of tread on the tires, and that is to his credit. But Joel, you got to know that eventually, my fear for a Jonathan Taylor would be that he's because we've seen this in running backs that when the cliff comes, it is a fall over. It's not a gradual slide. Not everybody's Frank Gore. Right, right. No, well, when I say the years, I mean like if you the, the deal. Yeah, I you don't want to give him five guaranteed. Yeah, the deal I keep thinking about is the Nick Chubb deal in Cleveland, which has worked out very well for them. He got like he got three years. You know the 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 average per year on that. Salary cap wise, the difference between him getting an APY of twelve and Taylor getting fifteen or something like that—it's—it's it's, it's minimal, especially given that the Colts don't have uh, a ton committed beyond this next year. But, but yes, the years like if you're getting five guaranteed or something like that, then then you're then I think you're really nervous about it. Whereas maybe I think maybe if you want to resign him, you you bump up the APY. Uh, and to try to keep the years down on the contract and protect yourself for that cliff you're talking about. Joel, last thing, you know, obviously we right now are in that kind of dead period and the news pops up with the Isaiah Rogers situation, for example. We will talk plenty about these contract situations. Is there anything else in terms of on the horizon from a news standpoint that we should be anticipating or are we kind of like let's just keep it chill until everybody's back together reporting? No, this this is one of the only truly dead periods on the NFL calendar. I mean, this is the time when just about everyone in every building is away or on vacation or, or hanging out with family or whatever. That's 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 what this time of year is. Now, does it mean that they couldn't get a contract done? They they, they could if they, you know, if if they come to the right thing and they get it together. But historically, what we've seen is that it usually comes a, for the Colts this. If they're going to get a contract done, it usually happens more in training camp. This is this current period right now is is when the like I said the only really dead time on the NFL calendar. And I've I've heard over the years that the NFL would like to fill it with something, and basically all of the league personnel are like, we have one time that we're off. Please don't take it from us. Um, so yeah, no, this is this the, it basically if there's news at this point of the year, the way I always think of it is. If there's news at this point of the year, big news, it's usually bad. Yeah, exactly. You you would you would rather if you're Chris Ballard, you'd rather be driving to work and hear two guys talking about so who's your Mount Rushmore, right? Yes. Yes, Just, absolutely. Because absolutely. almost always every time I've ever been pulled out of like a uh, a summer like golf round or something, uh and it, it honestly it was more when I covered the Saints than the Colts. It's for something that's like the commissioner's involved, and there's going to be a suspension. Fair enough. I would think covering the Saints would be exciting nonstop, though, because all oh, the you're beignets in, you could eat. You're in Narlins. That's exactly right. Joel, appreciate it, man. Enjoy the dead period. Yep. 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 Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Joel. The uh, computer updates, right? And the cat meowing and the kid yelling. There was a lot going on back there.